name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we conclude our Easter sermon series on Acts of the Apostles. And we have come quite a long way through this entire book of Acts, beginning with the way in which people sought to follow Jesus. Jesus who had been with them and taught them and walked with them, and then he was gone. And they wondered what to do as followers of Jesus, how to live a life as a follower of Christ. And we've seen that understanding of how to live, grow and expand and evolve. In the last few weeks, We've talked about the way in which we bring people in to the fold. Who is actually invited to be a follower of Jesus? Now, the simple answer to who's invited to be a follower of Jesus is, well, everyone. And that's so nice. Except, as we know, oftentimes people don't feel so welcome. And it's that lack of welcome that can often keep people away from this life in Christ that we hope for them. Now, the world of the first century in which these apostles were living is not unlike ours in many ways. People were busy, and they worked very hard. They had plenty of opportunities for distraction. And today, when Paul goes to Athens, he is immersed in a world of both wealth and affluence and certainly distraction. And he speaks to the people who are in that world whose lives are full and tries to point out and make connections between the dots, the spaces, the holes in their own understanding of God. And perhaps we can take inspiration from Paul's words to help connect the dots of our full lives as well. Now, today is Mother's Day, and I thought, you know, how do you combine the Areopagus with Mother's Day? <laughs> so as I was thinking about mothers, I recalled a story that I heard from one of the mothers here at our church, who was putting her four-year-old son, we'll call him Kevin, to bed on the eve of his fifth birthday. Now she was trying to communicate the idea of what a birthday really means, right? And so as she was putting him to bed, she said, Kevin, this is the last night of your fourth year, and his eyes got very excited. And she said, do you know what that means? And Kevin reached out his hands with four fingers. And she said, that's right, you're four tonight, but tomorrow, how old will you be? And his little thumb popped up. And she says, that's right, how many is that? And he said, tomorrow, I'm not going to be four. I'm going to be a handful. And I thought, that's so funny. <laughs> and it is totally indicative of the way in which so many of us, whether we've done, had that moment or not, live our lives, right? Our full lives. We all, in whatever way, have our hands full. We fill our time with lots of stuff. We are never lacking in things to do. And it's in that busyness in that rush, in those moments when we really just feel overwhelmed or uncertain about what is most important, where all we can really ever seem to do is just put one foot in front of the other, take one day at a time, that we have moments like this, when we hear a story about a man like Paul, 
who steps into that busyness and explains some eternal truth that can help us realize something new. Now, Paul is an interesting guy. In the history of Christianity, as the message of Jesus began to spread, Paul is a remarkable person. He was not born in Jerusalem, although he grew up in the Jewish faith. He grew up in an affluent family that was free as Roman citizens, and it is very likely that Paul himself was well-educated, perhaps even educated at some point in his life in Rome. Paul's education, his depth and breadth of knowledge made him a very unique evangelist in the early church. Paul was not simply explaining what he knew about Jesus, but Paul was able to take the components of all of these learned cultures, such as the Greeks, and make those connections, which is how we get to today. Paul's education made him a really great speaker, eloquent, articulate, And when he arrives at the center of Greek culture, at what we call the Areopagus, this stone outcropping in the middle of Athens where all of the philosophers would come to gather, Paul was uniquely prepared to challenge those thinkers to understand God differently. Now, we know Paul was politically savvy because of the way he began his talk. Paul says, complimenting the Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. Well, good for him. Complimenting them softens the blow. But he says, I also see, as I travel around the city, that you've got statues, altars, places marked to an unknown God. And so he pulls out, he nails down that little bit of uncertainty, that little bit of a seeker that is in the Athenians, and he says... I know what you have been searching for. In your busy, affluent, full lives, you know that something has been missing, and I'm here to tell you what that something is. And then he begins to unpack the whole story of Christ, how God's work in the world has been connected all the way to the person of Jesus and how the work that Jesus did on earth And the legacy that he left in his resurrection is what fills the emptiness of their busy lives. And as he tells this story, I hope that all of us hear the same kind of storytelling for our lives. Yes, our hands are full and our lives are busy. We can very easily, if we are not careful, fill every bit of our time with stuff that is good, but perhaps not the best. To prioritize the way we spend our time in good ways, yes, but perhaps not holy and sacred ways. How often do we find ourselves simply exhausted? And it's that exhaustion that comes from a life in which the core of who we are is not the divine truth of God. And so today, as we come together with our busyness, perhaps we can break open a little bit of the wall that we build to allow the light to shine in, to remind us of what we already know, to remind us that we don't need to search or seek anymore 
that we have actually been found. There are people who have come before us, who have shown us the way, who have told us this story, traditions that we have inherited, that have all coalesced to bringing us here in this church today. There are people who have prayed for us, people who have guided us and strengthened us and raised us up to be in the place we are today, to be the people we are today. They have shined the light of hope on us And now it is our opportunity to become that light ourselves. We are found and we are loved and we are part of this great story that began thousands of years ago. The hope of Christ is in each one of us. And when we find that hope, when we have the courage to live out of that hopefulness, we can begin to shine the light on everyone we meet, to shine the light in those darkest places, to bring that centered hope to all those who themselves are exhausted and drained and seeking something more. Today, we are reminded that we have inherited something sacred and that the seeds of that light are in us. May we allow that light to break us open, and may we find that the core of everything we want to be, of every good thing that we do, rests in the person of Jesus Christ. And may we have the courage to tell others that they are part of this story, too. Amen.